0: If you allow yourself to retain the exact same relationship and pretend like nothing has changed with your promotion, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for failure and you're setting your friends up for failure. los angeles this is code three the firefighters podcast hosted by award-winning journalist scott Orr. code three features interviews with leading members of the fire service discussing firefighting strategy tactics and other topics you need to know more about now here's scott
1: that's right and i will not let parkinson stop me thank you for joining me again for another edition of code three This is the show that gives firefighters the information they need in about 20 minutes. Let's get started. There's a lot of advice out there about how to get promoted. There's a little less about what to do when you are promoted. Suddenly, friends on your shift are your subordinates. So how do you work with them? Your first couple of days will set the tone for how you'll relate to them for some time to come and if you screw it up, it could take months to repair the damage. My guest today has some insight about what they expect of you and what you should do when you arrive at work in your new role. Ian Emmons is the Deputy Chief of Operations for Washington Township in Dayton, Ohio. He sits on the Board of Directors for the Safety, Health, and Survival Section of the IAFC, And he's an IAFC Professional Development Committee member. Ian is also a CFO and a CTO. And Ian Emmons joins me now. Welcome to Code Three. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. So I guess what we're really talking about here is the jump from engineer to captain. Would you say that's probably the hardest leap to make?
0: Yeah, I mean I think that every Every subsequent promotion, even from firefighter to driver operator, driver operator to, to company officer, I think they all have their, you know, obstacles uh, and, and it's it's going to be a little bit different for everybody. But, yeah, I think going from that back seat to, to riding in the right front seat is definitely one of the, the most challenging because it really does challenge not only your way of thinking on an operational sense but it completely changes you know how you have to conduct yourself both in the firehouse out in the public and whatnot so it's really a holistic change going from firefighter to to company officer and and again i i, I paint with a broad brush there are certainly firefighters that are squared away in the sense that they can make that jump and it's not such a a, a tall climb but for the the vast majority making that transition from the back seat to the front seat is is riddled with some obstacles that it takes a little while to, to get over.
1: Is it reasonable to expect respect today from the guys who were riding with you on your shift yesterday?
0: You know, that's a that's a hard concept sometimes. And, and again, I think that that goes to two things. You know, one, the individual and how they conducted themselves as a firefighter in the firehouse. And two, the culture of your department. So I, I can say I didn't have to to have a a pass at that um, because I promoted, I was a career firefighter with one organization for about a decade. And then I promoted to a company officer at a different organization, which is somewhat atypical. You know, you typically don't have external promotions, but for various reasons, they went to the outside and I was fortunate enough to get it. So honestly, you know, I was blessed and fortunate in the sense that I was able to, to recreate myself to whatever degree and I didn't have to, to overcome some of those obstacles because nobody had at this new department had worked with me as a firefighter. But yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things that a lot of times, you know, I still talk to a lot of the, the friends and coworkers that I had at my initial department. You know, I got hired when I was 21 years old, and a lot of them, I'm 35 now, a lot of them still look at me as the the 21-year-old Ian, even though I've, you know, gone through a maturation process and, and I'm a very different person today. Uh, so, yeah, you, know, you may be held to the standard that you created for yourself a decade ago, and that's a, a hard thing sometimes to wash out of people's memories.
1: So then on Monday when you show up, should you just go about your work as if you've always been an officer or do you have a meeting and tell them what you stand for? Or what do you do? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, again, that one's, you know,
0: heavily dependent on the, the culture of the department. And, you know, there's a lot of departments where they have members that ride out of class. On a regular basis so these firefighters may already be familiar with this individual um you know as a, a company officer or a, a pseudo quasi company officer but yeah I, I mean i think that the your best bet is when you make that transition whether it's from firefighter to company officer company officer to a battalion chief or a district chief so on and so forth all the way up the chain i think your your best bet it behooves all of us to make sure that we are, you know, setting certain standards and expectations right from the get go those expectations a lot of times are based upon, you know, what kind of leader you are, if you're authoritarian, if you're micromanaging, if you're laissez-faire. So, I mean, really it's gonna take whatever spin that you put on it based on your leadership style. But yeah, I think it's the the best bet is to have that expectations talk as early on in your tenure as possible. And just let the individuals that are working for you know that, you know, even if you promoted through your own organization, the individual that I was yesterday, you know, there's, there are certain expectations that I'm going to have. Um, and yeah, sometimes it may look like I have egg on my face. If I liked to, to take naps or, you know, whatever the the habit was as a firefighter. And then if I walk by and say, Hey, you know, we need to get up and go do something. You know, there are times that people may get frustrated with you, but by setting those expectations early on and letting them know that, you know, this is what the day is going to look like. This is what your tenure is a uh, a company officer is going to look like. I think that's going to be your best bet moving forward.
1: You almost hit on something that I'm curious about, and that's boundaries. What boundaries are the important ones and how do you set them?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think the 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 boundaries that that you're going to have is that while we are all, you know, driven by integrity, regardless of whether you are a volunteer firefighter all the way up to the fire chief of a major metropolitan fire department. We're all bound by integrity. We all are entrusted by the public. So I think, you know, putting that to the side, the boundaries, the the expectations, the obligations, the responsibilities that we have, they change with every single promotion you get. Again, whether that's firefighter to, to apparatus operator, all the way up to deputy chief or assistant chief to fire chief the expectations of your role changes. And part of that expectations talk that you have with your, your members that you're working with is those boundaries and, and letting people know that, you know, just because I don't attend an off-duty function that involves alcohol doesn't mean that, you know, I'm no less of a, a compassionate leader or somebody that wants to be, you know, part of your life as a, a coworker and even as a peer. It just means that the expectations or the obligations of my new role may prevent me from being able to go and, and do those things. So I think, you know, you you have to break those boundaries down to both professionally and personally. You know, we don't, we don't touch a lot on the personal realm uh, because a lot of us in the fire service like to, when we go home, we like to go home and we like to have that, that be our space. And if we have friends that are firefighters, and great. But either way, we don't necessarily want, you know, work bothering us at the firefighter level. But as you promote, a lot of times those expectations from your organization change. And, you know, I, I work a 40-hour work week right now, but, you know, I, I very rarely, if ever, work 40 hours. It's usually 50 or 60 hours. So I have to be very clear about those boundaries. I have two young children and a wife. And they need my time as well. So there's some work-life boundaries that you have to create, uh,
1: both professionally and personally. How close can you expect to stay with subordinates? I mean, I know there are some departments that may delineate, as you were saying, that you should not attend an event with alcohol. But um, if if it's not something specifically outlined, How close can you stay with the subordinates that you were friends with last week?
0: So that's going to be driven by a couple of things. One of the the major things is, is if you have, you know, organizational norms or expectations, you know, a lot of times those being the most objective are the easiest to follow if, you know, I have a a colleague that promoted into a, in a very large organization at a, a command staff structure. And their fire chief at the time let them know that he he expected them not to have outside personal relationships with the the other chiefs that were below him, and that was uh, an objective expectation from his boss to him. So those are a little bit more clear cut. I think that you know again the culture of your organization is going to help define some of those things, but I can say that regardless of what your your organization prohibits or accepts. If you allow yourself to retain the exact same relationship and pretend like nothing has changed with your promotion, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for failure and you're setting your friends up for failure. Because ultimately, whether it's nefarious or whether it's completely benign or organic, you're gonna get put in a position where you're gonna have to make a decision between your integrity and your role and your responsibility to the, the organization and the perceived expectation or obligation to a friend. And that's never a place you want to find yourself in as a a company officer or a battalion chief or a chief officer or any type of officer. You want to make sure that when it comes to the professional senses that you're doing what is right for the organization you're doing or what is right for the community. You're doing what is right for that particular instance. And a lot of times those policies and procedures help govern that. But if you allow yourself to get into some of those gray areas, because you didn't set clear expectations and boundaries early on, you're going to end up in a situation where you're going to get in trouble. They're going to get in trouble where both of you are going to get in trouble.
1: How do you deal with someone who expects you to be on their side because you were one of them? When it comes time to not be on their side, you don't want to come across as being their enemy, but you can't, I mean, and I would assume they would know this, but sometimes people get emotional and they forget that you can't always be on the side of the working guy because you're not one of them anymore. So how do you deal with that conflict? I think that that very
0: much so falls on those initial boundaries and expectations that you've created in your new role. But ultimately, one of the things, one of the the low-hanging fruit to provide an example is, is a lot of times, yes, feelings may get hurt and people may see you as an adversary, whereas they formerly saw you as a friend. But something like being late, if your organization, every organization handles late occurrences a little bit differently. Some organizations I've worked for, you could be late four and five times before there was ever any piece of paperwork that was written on you other organizations I've worked for the very first time without really good, you know, reason, you're gonna have paperwork hung. But either way, you know, using those organizational policies and procedures or norms and being objective about that is that I am not disciplining you. I'm disciplining the action. I am managing, you know, I lead anytime I'm dealing with my my people and my peers and, and the individuals I'm blessed to work with, I lead in those senses. But there are times as as an officer, you have to be a manager. And a lot of times what what those times segue into is whenever you're managing disciplinary situations, you you have to manage those sometimes. And the best way to manage those are to manage the infraction and not the individual. So if somebody is late, I'm not disciplining John Doe because they're late. Even if he's my best friend, I'm disciplining the fact that there was an individual that was late. And by being consistent across the board, it doesn't matter who walks through the doors late. If my organization says the first time you come through the doors late, then you have paperwork. Then I'm just managing that simple process based on the infraction that, that occurred. And that can be taken all the way to harassment or any other thing. You know, you're, you're dealing with the behavior. You're not dealing necessarily with the person. And a lot of times uh, those, are, those are difficult things to, to distinguish between sometimes. But as long as a leader... And a manager, you're looking at things as though, you know, the, all of us are, are good people and you got to take it that way. And, and, you know, you have that altruistic outlook, but you understand that mistakes are going to happen. People are going to do silly things sometimes, and that doesn't make them bad people. That just means that they made a mistake and we're going to manage that mistake and we're going to try to modify that behavior and we're going to move on.
1: I'm thinking of the old TV show, MASH. I don't know if you ever saw it. I did. Alright, I'm thinking of Radar O'Reilly, who was typically pushed down by a lot of the higher officers. In one episode, they made him a second lieutenant, and it didn't really help him because everybody still looked at him as Radar, who has just got a title now. If you run into a situation where you've seen somebody promoted like that, where the rest of the people just looked at him as the guy they work with every day, and he's not really anything different now. Yeah. And I mean,
0: to, to some degree, you know, that should almost be, and and I'll, I will follow up with uh, an explanation, but that should almost be the norm, right? You know, you're not providing respect there. There is an innate level of respect that comes along with the promotion.
1: Well, there are people who will say respect is earned, not uh, given.
0: And, and I, you know, for the most part, I, I agree with that. Again, I think that there's some level of innate respect that comes along with a promotion you know ultimately if i have a fire chief or when i was a firefighter if i had a lieutenant that i didn't necessarily care for ultimately if that individual said hey we need to walk out and wash the apparatus just because I don't like them, or just because I have indifference with them, doesn't mean that I disrespect that role. That's my my officer gave me a you know an instruction to go wash the apparatus, and to, to whatever degree I have to respect that. So that's what I mean by innate respect that comes along with the promotion. But you're right. You know, I think that we are we are our actions, not our words. So those individuals that are viewed that way, and I have I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen in almost every department I've ever worked at. And my biggest advice to those individuals is: How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So if you have <laughs> this reputation that is necessarily um, isn't savory, or the one that you want to carry on with you into your promotion, you got to understand: just by being promoted, it's not going to change that. It's not going to wipe the slate clean. Ultimately, you have to you have to have action that moves towards that, and your work ethic, and your integrity and the way that you interact with others in your interpersonal communications, it's never too late to, to try to start taking those bites of that elephant. But you got to understand it's not going to change overnight. And it's a, a steady work in progress. And I had mentioned earlier on, there are still people that look at me as 21 year old Ian, there's just going to be some people that you're not going to get across to, you're not going to change their opinion. And, you know, each of us are, are have a right to our own opinion. But I can tell you that with steady work and a solid work ethic, you can change that reputation and you can earn that respect.
1: All right, Ian Emmons, thanks very much for joining me today on Code 3.
0: Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you again for having me on. I appreciate it. I enjoyed the talk.
1: So, have you ever experienced a coworker being promoted to officer? What's that been like for you? Or have you ever been promoted to officer and been a little overwhelmed when you got there? You can leave your comments. I'd like to hear them on our website at Code3Podcast.com Lonely. There's links to more info there as well, so check it out. And if you'd like to get a little discussion started, send some members of your firehouse this episode of Code 3. It may get them talking and also help me out because personal recommendations are the best way to grow this show's audience, so I'd appreciate it. Spread the word. Thanks. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. To
0: contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.